Welcome to All the Social Ladies, a podcast bringing you candid conversations with the boldest women in digital marketing. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome back. It's season three of All the Social Ladies. We've got new music, a new format, and a whole lot of fun. My first guest kicking off season three is Jenna LaBelle. Jenna LaBelle heads up digital marketing at Liberty Mutual. And this interview is particularly special because I first hired Jenna LaBelle for her first job out of grad school. Yep, she worked for me at Likeable Media and I've watched her over the years grow into an incredible marketer and poised young professional who is ready to take on the world. Take a listen to some of her insights here. Welcome Jenna to the show. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited to to be doing this. So Jenna, this is such a treat for me because I've known you since the literal infancy of your career. When you, when you walked in, I will never forget to come work for me with this beautiful portfolio from school. And I just knew you were going to be a huge star. And here you are in this incredible position at Liberty Mutual today. I just, just for me personally, I just have to start off the podcast by saying how proud I am of you and how happy I am to have you here. Oh, thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate that. It's unbelievable. When I, lo- when I look back, I can see my own versions and watching you over many, many years. But I want to ask you, you know, I, this is a new season for us. And I usually ask people to tell me the whole story of their careers. But in thinking about it, I think that our careers can be summed up by three major decisions or turning points. And I like to call those in career the defining moments of your career. Looking back at your career, the three moments that you would consider the most defining for you? A tough question. I think I've had so many experiences, I think, that have defined my career. But if I were to kind of boil it down to three, I would say one lesson and then two actual moments. Um, The first kind of thing I would say is that it was a defining moment when I understood that there was a difference between knowledge and intelligence and that those things weren't the same. I've sort of always struggled a bit with being confident. You know, when I like when I left Likeable to come to a Fortune 100 company, I, I struggled even more. Everyone yeah. around me was so smart. They were strategic. They were sort of data and number driven. You know, they they built models in their suite practically, yeah. um, and they were all so articulate. So um, I felt like I, I'm sort of a foreigner in in this um, you know different culture. And then I sort of had this moment where I was kind of telling my boss this, and she told me something that really changed my outlook. And and she said, you know, there's a difference between knowledge and intelligence and that the reason all of those people appear smart is that they've just had different experiences and they've been exposed to different things um, that I I haven't. And just because I didn't know the topic um, as thoroughly as they did or have the answer to something didn't mean I wasn't intelligent. It's just I wasn't exposed to the same thing that they were. And if I were exposed to the same stimuli or had that same knowledge base, then I would probably come to the same or better conclusions. And I think that was a defining moment because it it reframed how I was thinking about things. It's a pivotal moment, of course, because it helps you with so many things. I mean, I would imagine that that could be a real confidence shifter for you if you're thinking about it and that it, it's just that you didn't yet have the knowledge, but you certainly were capable of it. And that that's that's really an important piece of advice for women everywhere. 
Exactly, exactly. And then others are, are kind of more specific, like an actual moment happened. Um, so when I, when I came to Liberty, I was, I was really hired because of my expertise in social media. So uh, thanks to, to Likeable and, and all of the experiences I had there, I, I did become a subject matter expert and um, was hired basically to build out Liberty's presence in that area. And about six months into my time here, we were doing an activation around our sponsorship of Team USA at the Sochi Olympics. And the campaign was really all about um, people or athletes who have faced some, some form of setback but were able to get back uh, on their feet, you know, make a comeback and get back on their feet. And it yep. kind of parallels what we do as an insurance company, which is help people get back on their feet after some kind of setback. Uh, so during, during the first few days of the Olympics, we actually received a tweet uh, from an influential advertising executive, Alex Boguski, suggesting yep. that we should, we should make a commercial about uh, the mogul skier, Heidi, Heidi Closer, who basically tore her knee in a practice run the day before the opening ceremonies. You may recall her sort of coming into the opening ceremonies on crutches. Um, so, I mean, I was hired to do social media. That was my job, not TV advertising. So I could have very easily just passed along the suggestion and, and gone, kind of gone on with my day. Uh, but st- instead, I, I saw it as an opportunity um, I quickly got in front of my boss. I brought in the head of our advertising and, and just really convinced them to pursue this opportunity because it was so unique and uh, differentiated and could really kind of set us apart from all the other advertisers at this time. And within 24 hours, I was on a flight to Park City to film Heidi Closer, who just got back from Sochi. We had the TV ad on and, and three days later, which is kind of unprecedented timelines if you, if you think about it. Um, wow. And it was you know, not my project, not my, my expertise, not my budget, not my area, but everyone trusted and believed in me to make it happen. And, and I did. And I guess, I guess this ultimately taught me to speak up and, and fight for a good idea. It also taught me the importance of having a strong reputation because someone people can rely on and trust, um, you know, being someone that people can rely on and trust is important. And that's, that's ultimately what got me that opportunity um, and then lastly, it gave me exposure to a new area outside of, of what I had subject matter expertise in. When you were doing that, was there a way that you approached that that you think worked well? I would imagine that it would be very challenging at a Fortune 100 for somebody working in social media to impact that kind of change. First of all, it speaks wonders about your company. It speaks wonders about them. But but your approach, how did you approach it? Was it like, we have to do this? Or was it like, this might be a good idea? How How did you get it done? Uh, so, I mean, I'm certainly passionate and excited about it. I definitely brought some enthusiasm uh, and energy. But, you know, given that we're an, an insurance company, Fortune 100 company, we're very data-driven. And so yeah. I kind of went, went about it um, knowing that they would, you know, likely ask what this would actually achieve. And so I kind of went about it from that approach. Like, you know, we got this opportunity. I think it could help us, um, you know, achieve this kind of memorability. Like, I, I basically just kind of won with data, if you will. Yeah. Um, by just showing them what what could be instead of just the what the idea at hand was. Another great tip about winning with data. I love that. Okay, third moment. I'm ready. All right. Um, so this is a more recent one. Um, so basically, uh, at the beginning of last year, I was tapped uh, to be on a global digital task force. So basically, a global assignment. We're, we're a global company. Um, and that would basically help some of our inter- international operations sell insurance through direct channels, like, like a call center or online. A lot of them right now sell through intermediaries. Um, so it was a huge, huge project, huge priority for the entire organization. 
Um, I definitely felt very in over my head. I sort of know marketing, but the more business operational type of stuff wasn't really in, in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, and then it was really difficult balancing the tremendous amount of work that went into that um, in, on top of my day-to-day job. Um, and about, you know, three months into the project, I got, I got promoted in my regular job and took on uh, overseeing brand and integrated marketing. It's an entirely new team, an entirely different work that I, I was less familiar with. Um, and a lot of the senior folks around me actually encouraged me to remove myself from the task force to focus oh. on my actual job. Um, but, you know, I, I, it wasn't that I wanted to prove that I could do both. I think for me, it was that I really wanted to learn. And I knew that by being on that task force, I would learn way more about the business than I would ever learn from sitting in presentations or, or just networking around the company. Um, and I knew that I could take all of that knowledge back to my team to create more alignment. And something I, I've learned a lot here is that not only is vision important, but it's really important to align folks to how they're achieving that vision. So really creating alignment among everyone in the organization. And so I felt like that being on this, I would be better equipped to do that. So I stuck with it. it it's still ongoing. So I, I can't say that it was the, you know, the greatest thing that I've ever done because it's not done. Um, but I feel really good about the decision to stick with it. Um, it's taught me better time management skills. So scheduling my priorities versus prioritizing my schedule. And for me, that was a priority. So I made sure it was in my schedule. Um, it's given me a voice in shaping the future business model of our company because I've had now I'm getting more exposure to all of the operating principles. Um, and it's helped me grow and develop my team and create opportunities for them. So I, I feel like that was a decision that I made even though everyone was telling me not to do it. And I think it's, it's paid dividends in terms of what I've learned. Wow. I love that. I really do. I think I loved what you said. It was schedule your priorities, not prioritize your schedule, right? Yeah. I love exactly. that tip. That is unbelievable. And Jenna, your current position, I know you've been promoted several times since your tenure at Liberty Mutual. Your current position is what? So I, I oversee our integrated uh, brand and integrated marketing team. So that's everything from our TV advertising, radio advertising, um, online video, PR, sponsorships. And then we have an internal creative group, group of about 30 people uh, that also sits with under me. Wow. And so I know that you talked to, you mentioned one of the things you do is online video. I know that, especially on Facebook, you guys have really leaned in on the concept of video. Tell me a little bit about how that's working. There's, you know, there's a lot, especially now around the whole changes that are happening with the algorithm and, and Mark Zuckerberg's yeah. vision. Um, tell me about your thought process behind going into video on Facebook and how you're using it today. Right. Yeah, we, um, you know, we've been following video, obviously, as, as all marketers have for, for quite a bit. We've seen it evolve um, and we're, we're evolving with it. I, I think there's a, actually a stat that's pretty staggering that says that the human attention span has decreased to about eight seconds which is actually lower than the attention span of a goldfish at nine seconds. So that's wow. pretty staggering if you think about it. And, you know, we used to be in the camp of producing long form content that told beautiful stories of who we were as a brand and what we stood for. And, and I do think there was a lot of merit in doing that at the time. It was sort of establishing us and, and what we stood for. Uh, but we're now embracing the fact that video consumption is starting to mirror that decreasing attention span. So we're producing shorter video content, you know, in the six second range. And, and we think that unit length is just as effective at capturing attention and breaking through uh, while delivering on, on a focused brand message. And for us, you know, we're, we're sort of platform agnostic. Um, we definitely do a lot of work with Facebook, but we also do a lot of work with, with YouTube as well. 
uh, and other video platforms. And I think we're now trying to kind of balance, you know, we reach a ton of people with our TV advertising, but how can we use some of these digital channels to reach people that we're just not penetrating yeah. uh, with our TV buy? So um, we basically look at it more holistically, and, and it's just another way to reach people, some, sometimes to reinforce a message and, then, and sometimes just to reach a new audience altogether. I love that you're platform agnostic. It's funny. I guess Vine was ahead of its time, huh? With six seconds? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) They were ahead of its time, but it wouldn't have been the appropriate platform. They got the time length right. It was just the platform was being used a little differently, maybe, than Liberty Mutual. They were onto something. They were. They got something with those six seconds, 100%. How are you guys reacting? Or I guess you personally, as somebody who's obviously, you're not as much in the day-to-day anymore, but I do know that you are an avid reader and keep up on all the times. How are you? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about uh, Mark Zuckerberg's recent announcement uh, around what the news feed will be used for and won't be used for? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's funny. I, Mark every year has a you know a New Year's resolution, and often it's like to run more, to to read more, and they're more personal goals. So uh, when he came out with this one to sort of fix fix the news feed, it was in my mind very audacious. I understand it. I understand why that's a priority for him. I think for us as a as a as a brand. You know, a lot of what we do on, on Facebook now is in the, in the paid advertising space. So, yep. um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're okay with the decision because we think it, it won't impact us as, as much as some others. But I understand, like, you know, it, it, in, in scenarios where people aren't paying um, to advertise in the space, that there are huge implications. And I, I think more now than ever, it's important that whatever you're producing and, and putting on the, the platform is as relevant and compelling um, and attention grabbing as, as possible. And Jenna, I know you guys have done a lot of innovating. And one of the things that I found so interesting was what you started experimenting with, with Amazon's Alexa in reaching new customers. Talk to me a little bit about this decision, because this is this is very interesting as an as an, a consumer and Alexa user. I think, OK, uh-huh. um, maybe I'm ordering my toilet paper. I'm always listening to music, uh, but I don't know that I'm necessarily interacting with my insurance company. So tell me a little bit about this. I found it fascinating. So, I, I mean, I did not personally work on the Alexa integration, uh, but I know enough about it. So our our philosophy has always been to just be where our customers are. Um, and, and we know that that's changing, right? The world is just is changing. And um, we always used to talk about connected homes and connected cars as separate things. But the reality is that our, our customers are now living connected lives. And so we recognize that obviously not every customer uses Alexa as regularly as, as you, Carrie, do or, or I do. Um, and some may not even choose to interact with us there. But for the pocket of customers who do use it regularly and who would want to interact with their insurance company there, we want to be there and ensure mm-hmm. that we have a seamless experience. So, you know, you can use the platform to get a quick quote if you're, you're in the moment where you're thinking about insurance. And then the other interesting thing about the Alexa integration is that um, it gives you sort of tips and, and come and home and, um, and auto kind of advice as an online resource. So, you know, think about your own behavior when you're in the home, you're wondering, um, you know, if, if how ice dams might impact your, your insurance policy. I'm making this up entirely, but, you know, <laughs> that was brilliant. Like that, you may be thinking about it, you may be talking about it. And so this would serve as a resource to kind of give you the insurance perspective on, on some of those topics. I love that. And the other thing about it that I think is so interesting is that today, that might not be how we're interacting with an insurance company, but certainly in the future, I think voice plays a huge role. 
Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're trying to keep as, as, as up to speed as we can on all trends, voice included, um, because we know everything is changing and, and just the way people are connecting everything in their lives is changing. And so we just want to be where, where our customers are and, and we want to interact with them how they choose to interact with us. If they choose not to, that, that's okay too. I love that. And what other new channels are you guys looking at? What are some interesting things you're experimenting with? Yeah, one of the... Um, one of the interesting things that I, I think that we're doing right now is, is focusing on chat-based platforms. Um, like I said, we, we definitely just want to be where our customers are and make it really easy for them to interact with us and get answers. I mean, if you think about insurance, usually it's in a very, you're in a very emotional state when you need to use insurance. I mean, yes. most people don't want to think about insurance. It's sort of on in the background, um, yep. but when they need it, they're, they're likely in an, an emotional state. And so we don't want them to work hard to find us or to get answers. So we just want to make everything very seamless and easy for them. So we started investing a little bit in more uh, chat-based platforms, so things like Facebook Messenger and, and SMS. We actually uh, launched a Facebook Messenger bot named Libby uh, <laughs> late last year to, serve, to service customers on the uh, Messenger platform. So um, we know our customers are using these channels, and, and for us, it lets us service our customers better and faster where they are. And obviously, there are you know it helps that some of these will also help drive down some costs for us as well. Absolutely. And it's just about the immediacy. It's recognizing that when you need insurance and when you need help, it's immediate. And so you're really making sure that you w- you are where they are when they need it in that moment. I love that. Okay, Definitely. Jenna, you've done some amazing things at Liberty Mutual, but now we're heading over to our lightning round where I want to know really quick, first thing that comes into your head, about these questions that I'm going to ask, not for Liberty Mutual, but for Jenna LaBelle. Are you ready? All right. I am ready. Okay. You, Jenna, you can use only one network on one social network. Which ones do you choose? Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Ooh. Okay. If somebody only knew you from social media and was looking at your profiles, what are three words they would use to describe you? Uh, Adventurer passionate marketer and knowledge seeker. Yes. And family, cutest, cutest nieces in the whole wide world that I know for sure, but I guess they have to really know you to see that. Okay. Um, woman you admire most on social media. Uh, so this, this may sound cliche, but I would say Cheryl Sandberg. And the reason is I think, I guess in social and in real life, I, I most admire women who show their re- real, authentic, sort of unpolished selves and, and women who also help other women advance. And I, I think Cheryl does this really well in social, but I also think she does it really well in real life. So she actually spoke at Liberty last April. And even in real life, she was helping to advocate for women. So she made it her point in the interview that was watched by thousands of employees uh, to call out and thank the strong women at Liberty, including my boss. So I, I love that she sort of demonstrates what I really admire most in women, and she does it both online and offline. Amazing. Okay, let's see what we've got here. Oh, social media, ultimately, does it help or hurt our careers? Helps, for sure. And actually, Carrie, like, I would never have worked at Likeable if it weren't for social media because we met, and then we kept in touch for, like, six months on Twitter before you hired me. Oh, I love that. Okay, Jenna, you open up the dictionary and you see the word success, but the dictionary is not written by Webster. It's written by Jenna. How do you define success? 
Uh, you know, I think success happens when you identify and live out your, your true purpose and you feel fulfilled as a result. So for me, like my purpose is to, to motivate, inspire and engage young talent and to create a meaningful impact on the lives of people around me. So I feel like I've earned success every time someone seeks me out for advice or someone tells me that I helped them or someone has achieved success um, by, by, you know, advice that I've given them. So uh, I think it's a very personal thing, though. Oh, Jenna, judging on that version of success, you have definitely helped a lot of people on all the social ladies today. I absolutely love having you on. Most important, Jenna LaBelle, I watched you speak for the very first time many, many years ago at a conference for convenience stores. I don't remember the name of the conference. After you spoke, you were very nervous about speaking. After you spoke, you got ice cream. It was a very important, a very, very important reward for you for speaking. Do you still get nervous before you speak? And if so... Or even if not so, do you get ice cream after you speak? So absolutely get nervous before speaking. I think that's very healthy. But I, I, I practice a lot. I prepare a lot. And I think that that's helped. And yes, of course, I get ice cream. Are you kidding? Um, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta reward yourself here and there. And uh, ice cream is it for me. Current favorite flavor? Uh, it's always been mint chocolate chip, but I, but I do like to explore, uh, you know, peanut butter, coffee, other things. But my, my tried and true is mint chocolate chip. Daredevil. I love it. Jenna, where should people connect with you if they want to find you? Uh, I'd say either Twitter. Uh, my handle is at JennaL15 um, or, or LinkedIn. I'm, I'm happy to connect and, and meet new folks as um, you know, uh, and talk about anything that I've talked about here or, or any other questions that folks might have. And if you're listening, if you find her on Twitter, send her a tweet and ask her how she's verified. She'll be happy to give, fill you in. <laughs> She'll be happy to fill you in. Jenna, thanks so much for being on the show today. You are one fabulous social lady. Thank you so much, Carrie, for having me. I, I really appreciate it. That was all the social ladies. Don't miss new episodes every week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media and author of Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. Follow me at Carrie Kirpin everywhere. And for more social smarts, be sure to follow Likeable at Likeable Media. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.